please, to the book of Genesis. Genesis, and we will be considering starting in chapter 12, but there will be several points along the way that will progress. We are returning to a series that we set aside, and some of you noticed. <laughs> some of you asked, what happened to the, the covenants series? Um, and I'll explain to you that when we were doing the live stream, I felt like we needed all the continuity that we could get our hands on. And so we just continued with the exposition of Acts. Uh, at the beginning of the year, our plan was to interrupt our Acts exposition once a month and to look at one of the covenants once a month. We kind of set that aside when we went into this uh, kind of online um, phase. And uh, so we're going to return to that this morning, and uh, we will from time to time um, come back. Now, I know that the, um, the covenants, although they are a tremendous blessing, can be um, uh, a little bit longer in depth. So I actually have probably more material this morning than we're going to get through. And yes, I'm aware there are children and uh, we'll just kind of go for a little while. We'll teach as far as we get. And then whatever we don't get to, uh, we'll pick up in a couple weeks, and uh, Pastor Dan's going to preach from Acts next week, and then uh, maybe the following week we'll be back uh, to finish the Abrahamic Covenant. If you have your Bibles open uh, to Genesis 12, um, I'm going to read for us verses 1 through 7, and then I'm going to ask for God's help as we consider the Abrahamic Covenant. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, this is God's Word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Uh, I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot was with him, and Abram was seventy-five years old, when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took his wife Sarai and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land in the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree in Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Father, we Thank you for your word that tells us of the way in which you have worked in times past, how you have used your promise to be a blessing to many. I pray, Father, this morning as we consider these passages of Scripture that speak of your promise to Abraham that we would be blessed by them, even as you have promised in this passage. We pray these things in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen. Jonathan Edwards is a name that you should know, a preacher of a bygone era, the late 1700s. Not only was he a faithful man, he was a man of prayer, a man of, of the Word, and a man who prioritized the discipleship of his own children. As he lived a godly life before his family, uh, as he taught them diligently, he had a tremendous impact on those around them, as you might expect. 
There was a study done a number of years ago on Jonathan Edwards' descendants. They took 1,394 descendants of Jonathan Edwards, and they, and they followed, the, by following the lineage down, they found three senators, three governors, three mayors, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 military officers, 100 preachers and missionaries, 60 prominent authors, and 80 other public officials. They did a study concurrently with a well-known contemporary of Edwards who was himself an atheist. And the statistics, I'm not going to take the time to read them, but the statistics are almost the complete opposite of all of those that were um, uh, in jail and infamous and that kind of thing. Now, you could take anecdotal snapshots of different people throughout history and, and uh, maybe manipulate that however you wanted. So the point, the point is not the contrast. The point is simply this. From, from Edwards, from one man there was a tremendous multi-generational blessing that trickled down throughout his family tree. And as you can see, the vast majority of of his descendants were people who were uh, reputable, people of virtue, people who, who served in positions of leadership because of the impression of one man. Well, this morning we are considering something that is exponentially more true of the blessings that came down from one man named Abraham. In this passage, he's called Abram. Later, he's called Abraham. But from from that one man went out a blessing to, to literally millions of people because of his faith. And the important thing that we want to learn is not necessarily... The praise, to the praise of Abraham, it is the reality that God works in people's faith. In fact, what we learn from the account of Abraham is that God works through our faith to give us blessings we do not deserve. Let me say that again. God works through our faith to give us blessings that we do not deserve. So understanding The story of Abraham, understanding the covenant of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, is seminal. It is foundational to understanding all of the Old Testament, and not even just the Old Testament, but really all of the Bible. So let me say it this way. If you don't understand the Abrahamic covenant, it will shortchange you in understanding the entire rest of your Bible study. So this is a tremendously important study for us this morning. One commentator, one author has put it this way, the Abrahamic covenant must be considered as the basis for the entire covenant program. It is, in fact, the key that unlocks all the others. One has said it is foundational, the Abrahamic covenant is foundational to each of the subsequent divine promises, right? So we're doing this series, this study through the covenants. And as we understand the Abrahamic covenant... It will inform the way we understand all of the covenants that flow out of that. And in fact, we're going to look at that uh, a little while later. So as a student of the Bible, 
it should be important to you to understand the promises that God made to Abraham. Well, you have your Bible open, I trust, to Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 12, we see the covenant introduced with a command. So this entire uh, chapter here is really the introduction to the covenant. This is what God is saying, I will do. The, the covenant is not actually formalized until chapter 15. Uh, if we have time this morning, we'll get to chapter 15. But whether we get to it today or in a future week, uh, we actually see the, the, uh, the sealing of the covenant there in chapter 15. Here in chapter 12, it is introduced. So I would invite your attention to the command that God gives in verse 1 to Abram. Get out of your country. So Abram is living in the midst of a pagan society. He is a worshiper of the one true God in the midst of a people who are not worshipers of the one true God. And and God tells him, leave this place from your family and from your father's house. Okay, so not only was Abraham leaving his home country, but he was leaving his extended family. And he says, go to a land that I will show you. And so God did not even tell him at that point where he was going. I mean, think about the significance of that. God says, get up, pack up, take all of your goods, and leave. Lord, where where are we going? I'll let you know when you get there. (laughs) Right? Like, well, well, where's where's the roadmap? Just do what I said. I mean, this is what God is telling him to do. You know, it's like when you, you, you tell your kids to get in the car and you don't tell them where you're going. Where are we going, Dad? Just get in the car. Right? Sometimes it turns out well for them. Sometimes not so much. Right? But, 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 but God tells him, I want you to leave the country. Now, attached to this command that he gives him is a promise. And, and really, there's actually seven promises if we want to break it down. So in verses Two and following, we see seven promises. So look at them one by one with me, if you would. Look at verse two. The first promise is, I will make of you a great nation. He's leaving his own national identity. And and in so doing, God is going to make a a new nation out of him. uh, He is the starting point of a new nation. One that would have a large population, a large territory, one that would be characterized by wisdom. Now, maybe, and this is a good point for us to to mention this, maybe you have a tension in your mind, a theological tension. Have you ever thought about this before? Have Have you ever been conflicted over this? On the one hand, it seems in Scripture that God blesses obedience. On the other hand, It's clear that nothing we have is a function of our own merit. We we can't earn anything. We can't earn God's favor. God's blessings come as a function of His grace. So which is it, Pastor? (laughs) I mean, which of these truths are true? Are God's blessings a reward for our obedience? Or are they unearned? Have you ever... Have you ever wrestled with that tension in your mind? Am I the only one? I mean, I've thought about that before. It's like, well, okay, God blesses obedience, but yet his blessings are a function of his grace, which means they're unearned. So how do I resolve this in my mind? Well, think about it in these terms. Our obedience 
does not earn us God's blessings. But as we obey, we are in the place where we can receive God's blessings. It's as if, it's as if God is pouring out undeserved blessings for our benefit. And by obeying, we put ourselves underneath that outpouring of blessing. We put ourselves in the flow of God's blessing. So go back to my illustration that I mentioned a minute ago. Do you ever do this with your kids? You say, hey, quit playing with your friends and come get in the car. We do this with our kids. Right? We like to do this. This is fun. We, we've decided we're going to go somewhere. We're not telling them where we go. We say, come get, oh, I don't want to quit playing with my friends. Just come get in the car. Now, what they don't know is we're planning to go for ice cream. Right? Now, they could not obey and not be in the place of blessing. You, you with me? Right? Now, they're not paying for the ice cream. I'm paying for the ice cream. I don't have to take them for ice cream. This is a function of my grace as a father, right? I am going to bestow on them a gracious gift that, that believe me, they don't deserve. Well, maybe they do. But, but in this illustration, let's just suppose they, they don't deserve it. I am going to do something as a function of my grace, yet they have to obey to be in the place of blessing. Otherwise, it's just my wife and I at the ice cream shop enjoying the blessing, right? That was theirs, that was available to them when they obey. You with me? God, God blesses us from his grace. We don't earn his grace. We don't earn his blessings. We don't deserve his blessings. Yet, as we obey him, we put ourselves in the place of greater blessing. Now, let me go one step further with it and say this. That when God asks us to give up something, it's because he knows that he has something better for us. He has something greater for us. So, so here in this account, God is asking Abraham to, to give up much, to leave his homeland, to leave his extended family. Yet it is because God has something greater for him. Now, don't misunderstand. We will not always immediately and tangibly see the greater thing that God has for us. But as we trust in the character of God, we know that he always does have our best and his glory in mind. And so that's what God is doing. He's doing something so much more glorious, so much, so much more wonderful, so much more grand than Abraham can even imagine. And so when God asks him to give up something, he is also going to provide through that a great nation. Well, what else do we see in this passage as a promise. Well, we see an individual blessing there in verse 2. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. Now, this is an individual blessing. It's actually singular in the original language. Abraham personally is going to receive God's favor. Abraham, God says, I have chosen to bless you. So go out from this place and put yourself in the place of blessing. And Abraham individually, as a person, was receiving God's favor. Then he says, uh, the third promise is a, is a great name. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I'm in verse 2, and make your name great. Oh, no. oh. Millions of people 
have known the name Abraham. In fact, if there's only a handful of names that you know in the Bible, if you don't know a lot about the Bible and you only know like two or three or four or five characters, you probably know the name Abraham. And two entire races of people look to him as their father. His name is, in fact, great. Here's the irony of it. If you go back just a few chapters in Genesis, if you go back to Genesis 11, do you remember this account? They're building this tower that's supposed to reach to the heaven. Genesis 11:4. they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us, watch this, let us make a name for ourselves. Yet in a few chapters, God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make a name for you. So, so what people had tried to do, what mankind had tried to do apart from God just a few chapters ago, God in his grace is going to do for a man named Abraham. Abraham would be blessed. And we see that that would be a blessing to people. That's the next promise that we see. He'll be given a great name and he will be a blessing to many. Verse 2, you shall be a blessing. Abraham would be blessed by God, but it was not just for his own sake. It was so that he would in turn be a blessing to others. We'll see that develop as the Abrahamic promise is developed. Along with that, he says, I will bless those who bless you. So those that are a blessing to Abraham and his seed are blessed. And conversely, I will curse those who curse you. We're in verse 3 for following along. Not everyone will be blessed by Abraham and his offspring. In fact, there will be those who will be cursed because of the blessing of Abraham. Because they choose to oppose, they choose to curse the seed of Abraham. And then the final thing, and, 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 perhaps, and perhaps probably the highlight, this final phrase here in verse 3, And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I want you to understand that the word families here, we tend to use that in the English language in reference to the nuclear family, right? Your immediate family, husband, wife, son, daughter, right? That immediate family. The word that is used here is a little further reaching than that. It's, it's the unit that's next smaller than a nation. It's kind of, we might say tribes, right? So it's kind of that, that far extended family. So in other contexts, nations is used for this same word. But the point is that all people groups will be blessed by Abraham. We might say it this way. way. We might say all ethnicities will be blessed through Abraham. Now, I want to ask you a question. How does that happen? How is it that all ethnicities are blessed through Abraham? Well, I want to show you a verse in Revelation, and this will perhaps help our consideration this morning. In Revelation 5, we look down the corridors of time and we see what will happen one day. When they had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Tell me. 
It's Christ, right? It's Jesus. They fall down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy. The Lamb is worthy. Jesus is worthy to take the scroll, to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Watch this now. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. How is it that every nation, that every ethnicity, that every tribe around the globe is blessed through Abraham? The answer is, what? It's Jesus. I mean, that phrase tucked at the end of this laundry list of blessings is the biggest one of them all. Because that is the promise of the Redeemer, of Jesus. Through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so we see these promises that are given to Abraham. And we understand that the covenant with Abraham is intertwined with missions because at the very heart of it is Jesus. Now understand this, that Jesus, the seed of Abraham, has been provided as a redeemer. He is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that all the tribes of the earth will be blessed. Everyone, the gospel is for the world. And so at the very heart of this promise to Abraham is the recognition that those who submit to this Lord, that submit to this Redeemer, this one who is of the seed of Abraham, will be saved, will be blessed. So we see these tremendous promises made to Abraham followed by Abraham's obedience. There are actually three great acts of obedience in Abraham's life. This is the first of them. Consider with me verses 4 and 5. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. He took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions. Go down to verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Go over with me now to Genesis 13. This fleshes it out a bit more because this is now the land promise. Genesis 13 and verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. So now God is making a further promise that, that, that here's the real estate that your nation will occupy. And he causes him to be able to see all of this land that is being promised to him in the light of his obedience. So I want you to understand that this 
Abrahamic covenant fits into our larger study because there are really, we said seven promises and then we added the land at the end kind of as a fulfillment of several of those promises. We could actually distill the Abrahamic covenant down into three promises. We could kind of shrink it down to land, descendants, and blessings. All right, so there are, there are those kind of intangible blessings there are the descendants, the people, and then there's the land that they occupy. So those three kind of elements to the Abrahamic covenant. Now, here's the interesting thing. As we move forward in our study of our covenants, you'll see that there are three covenants that express each, uh, each one of those respectively. So the Deuteronomic covenant is the, the land covenant. It is the, the expression of that promise to Abraham. The Davidic covenant, the covenant with the King David really uh, focuses in on the seed of David, which you will also hear Jesus referred to as the seed of David. And then the new covenant, the work that God will do through his people in blessing is expressed in the new covenant. So those are some things to be thinking about as far as the context. But what I want us to do in our, in our closing moments together is to go back to what we said a moment ago and that is the reality that, that God works through faith to give us blessings that we do not deserve. And so what we see and what we'll see next week when we pick up our study again, or in a couple weeks when we pick up our study again, is the importance of faith in combination with obedience. Obedience is the necessary and right expression of one's faith, one's belief. And in this passage, we see Abraham obeying God because of his faith. He, he trusts God. In fact, that's what the text says. He trusted God. And in so doing, God worked through that faith to be a blessing to all the people, to him, to him personally, to Abraham, but to all the peoples of the earth as seen in even Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of the world who died for the sins of all mankind. And so the question for us this morning is, do we do as, as Abraham did? Do we obey? Do we trust that God has our own best interest, His own glory at heart when He tells us to do something? Are we, are we quick to submit, quick to, to obey what God has said because we know that His character is right, His character is good, He is righteous, He will do what is best. And as we do that, as we obey Him, as we express faith through obedience, He gives us blessings. Now let's be careful. It is grace. It is undeserved. It is not that, that we have earned those blessings through our obedience. It's important for us to recognize. But as we obey Him, we are able to be, we were put ourselves in the place of greater blessing. God works through faith to give us blessings that we do not deserve. Father, we do pray that you would help us to understand the importance of Abraham's obedience and the ways in which we ourselves need to obey you need to submit to your word. Even this morning, Father, help us to understand your word, to apply it. And Father, may we look to the example of Abraham and emulate that faith. 
We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.